Hey, this is Scott. Thanks for checking out the podcast of Grace Fellowship Church. Hope it's encouraging for you and helps you take your next steps in your faith journey. Enjoy. Indeed, a, a critical time to be a part of a conversation here. Welcome to you guys. If, even if you're online, it's, uh, it's great to have you with us. Last weekend, we started this conversation, um, and we, we say that not all sermon series are created equal. This one's really important for our church. Uh, it's also a, um, a conversation about the future of our church, where we plan to be in the next three to five years, and so for that reason, it's a big deal, and if you missed it, please catch up on our our website or our app. Uh, we talk about the app. The way you get that in case you don't have it already is you can just go to your app store and search for Church Center Online, and then you can find our church in the middle of all of that, and you'll be set. That's how we communicate with one another. We have prayers and concerns, and life groups can talk that way, and people can register. So it's a great, a great tool. Last weekend, as we talked about this series, we talked about how it's a, it's a challenge because it brings up some emotions. Uh, for me, it's, it's hard to talk about um, you know, the, the future of the church and where we'll be coming and where we'll be going and what it's gonna entail for all of us because I know that it's just a challenge to step into together. It's also a challenge because technically it needs to be a sermon that applies for everyone no matter where you're at and it needs to make sense. Um, simultaneously, I also wanna communicate the vision of where we're headed and, uh, and also kind of the information of how we're gonna get there. And this week is probably gonna feel more like information than it is like inspiration. And we're gonna do some hard work over the course of today to fill in some of the blanks that may have been left from last week. But as we start, I just wanna remind you what we talked about when it comes to this Let's Go series. Um, as we're trying to help people know and live and give away the gospel, we said that what we're trying to do is that Let's Go is a church-wide family adventure as we travel from here to there. So at its core, this is an all skate. Do you guys remember that? I remember going to, to this roller skating rink when I was in junior high and high school and they would have the couples dance and it was just for the couples and hey, this is just for the elementary and then they say all skate, meaning everyone out on the rink all at once, whether you're young or old or single or married, it's a church-wide family adventure. And we're moving into unknown territory, and so it feels risky. It feels like this is a chance to experience new things together as a family, and we wanna do this together. This is not just a Pastor Scott thing. This is not just an elder board thing. This is everyone getting out on the rink and everyone participating and everyone getting in the car to go together where we believe God is calling us to go. Last week we talked about how incredible, incredible it's been that God has sustained us where statistically most church plants don't even get off the ground. Not only have we survived, but God's been blessing us and we've been growing in some really critical ways. And we said if there's any church that can look back at how God has preserved them and moved them along and have faith and confidence in what he could do in the future, it's this church. And we believe, and we believe that God wants even more for us and even more from us in the middle of all of this. And whether it's an individual notion or a corporate notion, what we said is this, that when God is calling you there, when God is calling you somewhere else, staying here is never an option. Here is never an option when God is calling you there. And if God's calling, you know what, I, I need to step into being more forgiving in my life. I know that this is an area for me to step into. Staying here is not an option. When God says, hey, I want you to finally tackle that addiction in your life, staying here isn't an option. And when God says, hey, I want you to go plant a church, staying here and staying where you're comfortable is not an option. 
When God calls you to do something, we dare not stay where we're at. And we would believe that as incredible as our here is, as incredible as God has been to us, in this particular season, listen, as easy as it would be to keep coasting, as easy as it would be to maintain kind of our status quo and do what's easy, we believe that God is actually calling us to do much more than that and to reach people in our community. Because we believe he's placed us here to be about his kingdom purposes over and above everything else. And so we asked last week, we said, hey, would this church do whatever it takes? Are they willing to do whatever it takes to help us move from here to there? But there's challenges because even as if someone says, I'm in, I'm, I want to be about that, there's still this reality that there can still be challenges and obstacles in the way. So we looked at the story of Joshua and the nation of Israel as they're stepping into the promised land, and it's like there, that's, that's what God wants for us, and yet there was this big, scary, fortified city called Jericho in the way. And God had been so faithful to them, and they could look back and see how time after time after time after time, he had delivered them and supernaturally preserved them even in the desert, and now they're standing in this place, a place where God is saying, I'm going to take you into this land, and I will deliver Jericho into your hands, and they had to be willing to step on the promises and step into the promises of God, and so we asked that question, are we willing to do whatever it takes to step into what God's asked us to do even if there's a Jericho in the way. And we said in order to do that, there's three things from that passage that we really need to embrace. First is that we need to embrace supernatural courage that, that God would be with us and that he's gonna enable us, enable us. Second, we need to have the character to do the things that God has asked us to do the way he's asked us to do that, right? That we would care not only where we're going but how we're getting there. And then third, that we would have confidence because of his presence with us. But today, I think we're gonna find out that moving from here to there, that there's more to moving from here to there than simply having a desire to. I actually exist because of a speech that John F. Kennedy gave in 1962 when he was at Rice University. He got up and many people eagerly listened to what he had to say, and this was the famous speech that he gave. He said, we choose to go to the moon we choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they're easy, but because they're hard, because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills, because the, that challenge is the one we are willing to accept, one we are unwilling to postpone, and one which we intend to win. And he stood up and he inspired these people and he said, we're in this unique time in our country's life, and we're going to make it to the moon. And he inspired these people to, that were ready to join the space program, and America was ready to move forward. But I, I want to tell you something that you already know, that ready to leave is not enough to get you to there. That simply being ready to move is not the same thing as like, hey, I'm actually going to list the house. I'm actually going to prepare the house. We're actually going to go talk to a realtor. We're going to go find another home, right? It's not enough to say, hey, we're going to go on this trip, and I might even have the courage to get onto the plane. That's not enough to make it happen. It takes more than that. JFK said, hey, we're going to the moon, but it wasn't simply that notion of doing that. It took hard work to get to the moon. My grandfather, 
was actually an electrical engineer living in Long Island, and he, we, he moved down to the Space Coast in Orlando because he was a part of the space program, and because people like him were willing to uproot their lives and move, he went down there, and my mom introduced herself to my father at a youth group event, and because of that speech, I exist today because of that, because people were willing to take action. Now listen, it wasn't just empty words that got them to the moon. It was people that were willing to uproot their lives. It was mathematicians that were willing to crunch numbers and engineers who were willing to figure things out and janitors who were willing to clean the workspaces. And it was men and women who were willing to strap themselves to rockets to make it to the moon. And it was a group of people who said, hey, we refuse to stay put where we are. And we're gonna act and we're gonna move forward. And listen, we can sit here and we can say, hey, we're ready. We want to do this thing, but it's not just going to happen. In fact, I, I wanna tell you something that you know about your life. I'm gonna share it for you and then, then just gonna unpack it after that. And it's that wherever you wanna go in your life, going from here to there, it takes two things. It takes faith and it takes action. It takes faith and it takes action, not or, it takes and, it takes both of those. And as Grace Fellowship is where we are, we feel like God is, like we're saying to God, God, here's our plan, and if you don't show up, God, we're gonna be hosed, and so we have the faith for that. Now listen, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you probably have one of two dispositions. You're probably one of those people, like if you need to get a job, you're one of those people that you're just gonna work hard to get a job, and you'll go out and you'll hustle it, but you never even stop to pray about it. And then there's some of you, you don't even get out to look for a job, and you just do nothing but sit at home and pray about it the whole time, right? But it takes both. It takes the hard work of going out to look for it, and it takes faith. It takes and, not or. If you've got a Bible, I want you to meet us in the passage that we were at last week in Joshua chapter 1. We'll also be in Joshua chapter 6. They're in the orange Bibles below you. First person to find the page number, shout it out. It's be like an like old-fashioned sword drill in the Orange Bibles, because <laughs> I didn't look it up this week. All right, in Joshua chapter 1. Now, this is what God told Joshua. Joshua said, uh, God told Joshua, hey, you're, you're going up against this big, scary, did you find it, Katie? What's the number? 146. Thank you. All right. God said to Joshua, you've got Jericho, it's in the way, but listen, I'm going to deliver it for you. I'm going to hand it over the king, all of its fighting men. I'm going to do that work. All you need to step is, all you need to do is trust me. What I want to do is in, in Joshua chapter one, I, I want to remind ourselves of what we're seeking to learn and memorize over the course of this series in Joshua chapter one, verse nine. And so what I want to do is I want to read it all together at Joshua one, verse nine. If you have it, let's read it together. It says, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. All right, let's do it again. It's on the screen too. It says, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. All right, those are strong words. Right, and you guys are giving it not real strong language, like levels of volume here. So when we hit those, those words again, say it with some emphasis. Do it again. Have I not commanded you? Come on. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. 
for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And then what God does is he meets with Joshua and he lays out the plan of how it's going to be delivered into the hands of the Israelites. In chapter six, verse three, this is what God does, a plan that requires both faith and it requires action. Not or, but both. In verse three of chapter six, this is what God, the instructions he gives to Joshua. He says, I want you to march around the city once with all the armed men. Joshua, okay, okay, I I get it. I see what you want us to do, God. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a trip and we're gonna have some reconnaissance of the city and we're gonna spec it out and we're gonna see maybe where their weaknesses are. You know, we'll take the Navy SEALs and we'll go and then we'll figure it all. We'll do it one more time. Okay, I'm with you. It makes sense so far. And then God says, and do this for six days. Wait a minute, wait a minute. God, won't they... Won't they, like, see us coming after that? I mean, I understand one day, but six days, they're going to see us marching again, and, and why, are we, why are we doing that? And let me get this straight. So you just want us to march? When do we send in the armor division? When do we get ready to go across the walls? All you want us to do is just march? God's like, remember, remember, have faith, and there's action. There's faith, and there's action. There's faith in a plan. And then he says this. He says, have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in the front of the ark. And Joshua's like, okay, I was great when you said the fighting people, but now you want like these Scott types, the priests to be up there, and they're leading the charge, you know? That's not a very strategic move. Like like the front of this is the Ark of the Covenant and the priests behind that, and they're carrying trumpets? You know, I, I know you're God and everything, but... Trumpets don't win battles, Lord. And and God's like, yep, you know, because the battle you're fighting is the kind where you need to understand that I'm the star and that you're not. And you need to understand that I'm gonna provide all the victory and all I'm asking you to do is to have faith in the plan and put it into action and I'm gonna take care of it. And if that's not weird enough, this is what God says to Joshua. He says, on the seventh day, march around the city Seven times, well, that's brilliant, you know, with with the priests blowing their trumpets. So let me get this straight. No armored divisions, no archers, no mighty warriors. Just play a B-flat and hold it. That's what we're supposed to do? Yep, that's what you're supposed to do. He says, when you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout And then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up and everyone will go straight in. Wait, so so we're not gonna attack? Nope, you're gonna walk around it and it's gonna crumble down. Now, if I'm Joshua and God had just given me that plan to communicate with y'all, that would be a hard night of sleep. Like, like you want me to go tell the people to do what? (laughs) All right, guys, gather around. Here's the plan. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to walk around the city for seven days. Okay, and then we're going to attack, right? Nope. Uh, And then then on the seventh day, we're going to walk around it seven times. Okay, and then we're going to attack, right? Nope. And we're going to play our trumpets, and then the walls will just come tumbling down. It's like, Joshua, what have you been drinking, man? What kind of plan are you pulling us into? And here's the thing. 
God says to them, when you follow me, you have to have the faith that I, from the plan that I give you, even when it seems like it's not working, because for six days they walked around that city before a single brick fell down. And I just want to pause and say, you know, there's going to be times where you've been praying for something for six years. Pray for six more. And sometimes when you've been faithfully holding out for your spouse to change, and listen, and you're so tempted to just be mean back to them and to kind of play the game that maybe they've been playing, you just keep honoring God. You just keep, you just keep praying. And sometimes when it's really hard to parent your children with godly principles and you think, you know, my sister-in-law just lets their kids do whatever they want to do and there's hardly any rules. It would be so much easier if I just let them do what they want to do and let go of my convictions of raising them in a godly way. You just, you just keep doing that. You keep doing what God told you to do. Guys, listen, when we, when we look at how we were redeemed as Christians, like, that plan didn't make a lot of sense. Like, God would come to earth as a man and, and be ridiculed and then killed and murdered on a tree, and then he would rise again from the dead. Like, that doesn't seem like a real strategic move, does it? And yet, this is, this is the plan that we rest our whole salvation on in our entire lives on is this odd plan that we operate by and we live by, and faith, and, I, and this is a plan that requires both faith and action because Jesus had to say, I'm gonna take action on that to see that come about. And listen, as we bring this plan up, it requires both faith and it requires action as we talk about going from here to there as a church because it requires both of those things. So what I wanna do is I just wanna spend a little bit of time talking about that plan, talking about those action points, talking about where we're planning on heading and how we plan to get there. Now, there's, there's no real secret to this here, but we have one kind of mission as a church. Now, this isn't something that we get to decipher or determine. It was just laid out by Jesus, and it's the simple thing, that we would go and we would make disciples who would make disciples who would make disciples who would make disciples. It's not complicated. It's not buried in the text somewhere. This is just what Jesus told his disciples when he was like, hey, Peace out, I'm going back up to heaven. These are your marching orders. So like we don't, get to, we don't get to change that. That's what we're here to do. Now our job then is this, is to figure out how we can do that as effectively as possible. What's the best way to make disciples? Now listen, there are 45,000 unchurched people in a 10 mile radius. Or that's unchurched people. That's not all the people. That's the unchurched people in a 10 mile radius around here. And our job, listen, is to think about how do we reach them the most effectively? What's the most effective way to teach someone to know who Jesus is, to follow him in obedience, that they would follow after his commands, and that they would go out and make more disciples? Now, when this church was planted, we, we thought, you know what the most effective way to start that was? Was by having a Bible study. 
And so we started it on a Saturday night, and it made sense for where we were, and God started blessing that. And we saw people come into Christ, and we saw people getting baptized, and, and we saw people who were disconnected from any kind of faith community step into that. And then at a certain point, we outgrew that space, and we said, you know, that doesn't make sense anymore. That's not the most effective way to do that. And so we decided to shift from a Saturday night Bible study to a Sunday morning meeting here in the elementary school. And I looked back at some of the photos, and we didn't even have stuff, and we just set up chairs, like, in the middle, and, like, we didn't have the pipe and drape or any of the stuff. We were just gathering together. And then we, we launched, and we said, this is the most effective way of making disciples here. And then COVID hit. And we weren't allowed to meet here anymore. So we had to ask the question again. What's the most effective way to make disciples in this, in this space? And so we didn't have a lot of options, but God provided supernaturally through the faith building. When Jennifer and I got married in college, we got married halfway through college, and we were blessed to have this small little apartment and it was awesome because it had a washer and a dryer. That was a huge deal to be able to not have to go to the, the laundromat. And so it was spectacular. And it was right across the street from the music department. So I could just walk there. And it, and it met our needs. It was the most strategic move for where we were to put ourselves in a healthy spot. But then as we exited school, we found out that Jennifer was pregnant with Cannon. So all of a sudden, we found ourselves at a pivot point where that space wasn't going to be conducive for the health of our, of our family anymore. And so we started looking for a different home solution. And whatever was going to be next, it didn't need to be our forever home. It didn't need to be where we retired to and lived forever. It just needed to be the next best step for us as a family to be in a healthy position, to raise healthy children and, and to be in a good spot for us. Now listen, our, our church is in the same kind of situation. It's in the same kind of a, a pivot point. And as, as, as we've exited this kind of COVID chapter of our lives, like God's been faithful. And we've had great solutions in the past. And we believe he supernaturally planted us in this community. But our needs are different now than when they were when we first got started as a church. Because we've been growing not only through conversions, but we've also been growing through births because y'all just keep making babies and I, you must really like each other because they just keep coming, right? And those kids need nurseries. And then those nurseries, as they grow out of that, they fill our kids, Grace Kids space and those Grace Kids grow out of that and now they're in Elevate. And as we look at it next year, we're gonna have around 20 students in our junior and senior high and that number is just gonna get bigger and just like how Jennifer and I had to stop and think about how can we most effectively provide a healthy environment for our family, like we're asking that same question as a church as well. How can we reach our community? How can we make disciples who make disciples and what's the best way to do that? And as church leaders, we've stepped back and we've said, hey, we've seen everything unfold in the last couple years and we've seen how critical it is to have a 24-7 facility, a place where we can point the community to, a place where we can gather together not only to worship, but for our students to have a place to gather, a place where we can say, hey, we're gonna have an outreach, we're gonna have dad fest, we wanna do a trunk or treat, we wanna do this street fair, we wanna be able to point people to that. So as leaders, as we think about the, the life of our church, we think that now is the right time to take some bold steps of courage 
and you never advance like a group, an organization, their goals by having bold steps of caution, but by bold steps of courage. And we think that's by starting to look into possibilities for full-time facilities. And so what we did was we contacted some consultants, and these are really bright people who have worked with around a thousand churches. And one gentleman was on staff with the Billy Graham Evangelistic Foundation and John Maxwell, and they've just seen lots and lots and lots and lots of churches at similar pivot points. And, and so we talked with them, and what they did is they actually took a deep dive in looking at our church to see where are we at from a health standpoint, and is this a time when we should be thinking about that kind of a pivot? And so they, they did a deep analysis, and they came back, and they said, hey, man, you guys are actually really, really healthy and it's exciting for where you're at, and we think this is a great time for you guys to start to plan and prepare. It's kind of like this. It's like we know we're pregnant. We don't know if it's a boy or a girl yet, so we don't know if the nursery's gonna be pink or blue, but we know that we need to start be preparing for that because it's on its way. And so as we worked with them, we're looking at having a two-phase approach to pursue a full-time facility. The first phase is this Let's Go campaign. And as we've worked with our consultants, we know that as a leadership team, in order for our church to make those next steps, that we need to raise somewhere in the vicinity of $400,000 in the next three years, over and above our regular giving. And we're trusting in God, and we actually believe that's a realistic figure because of the size of our church and kind of this part of the country that we live. And the goal of this first phase would be to, to buy land and to have plans drawn up to be able to move forward. And the second phase would be to build on that land as God continues to bless and increase our church. Now, I wanna describe with as much detail as I possibly can what we plan on doing, kind of what this is gonna look like, what we're doing with this campaign. And so to do that, I want you to think about three buckets. Three buckets, and kind of as the first bucket is filled, there's the second bucket below it, and then the third bucket below it, and then just as the first goal would be met, we would move on to the second and third. And this is the first bucket. The first bucket is the facility bucket. And here's the idea, and this is just gonna resonate with some of you, you people. I know like my wife loves these ideas because the goal is to be ready, to be ready for the opportunity when it comes around. Because we don't, we've been looking long enough and we know that there's not gobs and gobs of opportunities in our parish where God has called us. And so when it becomes available, we want to be ready to take action for that. In many ways, it's probably similar to what Israel was experiencing when they're sitting on the edge of the River Jordan. And in Joshua chapter one, this is what he says. Joshua speaks to his commanders of the officers of the people and he, he says, go through the camp and tell the people Get your provisions ready. God's gonna do something and you need to get yourself ready because three days from now, you're gonna cross the River Jordan and you're gonna go in and you're gonna take the possession of the land that God is giving you for your own. So get yourselves ready. There's material needs and get yourselves ready for that. Now our timeline for this would be, would be that as God blesses us through his campaign, as we choose to step into this, kind of in conjunction with the facilities team standing by, our elders would be looking to make a move on a potential solution in the next 12 to 24 months. And if that's a plot of land that becomes available, that's awesome. If, if an existing facility becomes available before that, that would, be a preferred, that would be a preferred option to be able to take action on that. And we're even praying about 
like we've talked with the Carolina Coach Building before and they said no, and so uh, we're working with our realtor to maybe go to them again and say, now are you guys ready, you know? And we wanna be ready to take action on that. You know, a logical question I think that people would have and people have asked me is, Scott, what do you dream about for the future of the church? Like, what, what do you think is the North Star that you wanna be heading towards? And the, the first answer is we're just here to make disciples, right? But people, what they wanna know is, what is this gonna look like? Do we, we wanna be a small church forever? Are you trying to grow some you know, huge thing or something? For me, what I think is healthy for our community, our environment, is if we could grow a church to be two to 300 people, and then my desire would be that as we get in that range that we're planning on planting additional churches, that we're keeping that in front of us, that we're planning for that, and that we're saying, yes, we're gonna step into planting in Charlestown or Boonesboro or other communities that need vibrant, relevant gospel-preaching churches. So that takes us to kind of this second bucket, right? The f- like in order to do that, though, we, in order to plant more churches, like we have to be in a healthy place. Well, we're able to do that. In order to step into like a second, um, to, to other campuses is the second bucket, and that's the bucket of church expansion. Now, from the beginning, we have set aside 5% of every dollar that comes in here to set it aside for church expansion, and that's purposefully a little bit nebulous so that we'll, we can use those funds to work towards a, a campus or land or a facility, but the idea is that we're moving the kingdom forward through that 5%, and so I would wanna see that be a second bucket that we fill and then the third bucket is this the third bucket is for worship arts about a month ago I got in front of you guys and I said hey I found out recently that I have degenerative osteoarthritis and basically I have old man hands like I have no cartilage between all of these knuckles here so it's just bone on bone and and there's a limited amount of time well I'll be able to play guitar and lead for piano and that's that's okay but listen even if that wasn't the case it's not healthy for this body for me to be leading all of the worship stuff and preaching because we're meant to be a body and there's supposed to be different parts doing that and my job is to equip other people to do that sort of work. That's why we see like, hey, this person wants you lead in this setting or trying to do that as much as possible. But one of the things that I experienced this last summer was as both of my children in the last two years went on a summer worship ministry team event like throughout the summer. My daughter did it this last week, this last summer. What I experienced was the director said, hey, if you ever think you're gonna be looking for an intern or a, a, a worship director, just come meet these students. And so I'm sitting in a room full of 20 some odd students who have been gifted and called in that direction. And I'm sitting there saying, we have a need. We have a need there. And I think we have a lot to offer as well. For a church of our size, like I, I don't mean to be braggadocious about this, but I'm really proud of, of our worship team, and, and I want to be in a position where we can say, hey, there's, I want to invest in another person that wants to step into worship ministry. We have something to offer them, and it provides an opportunity to meet a need at a more affordable way with a lower risk entry point than a full employment. So that would be, that would be the third bucket, by God's grace, that we would uh, step into. Now, under each chair, you guys have a trifold Let's Go pamphlet, and I just want to point you in that direction and take that home. There's some frequently asked questions there, and I just want you to put it on your fridge and just keep that as a reminder to pray about where we're headed. But guys, as we step back, as we step back, I've I've known about this longer than anybody, and I've, I've really processed this and said, God, is this really what you want us to do? God, is this really the direction that you want us to head? 
And I do believe that's the case. And if it's the case, then it takes both faith and it takes action. It takes faith and the action. And guess, guys, listen. The faith and the plan, the faith and the action, that's us. It's you guys. It's me. It's, it's, us, it's us being willing to serve at this. It's us being willing to invite to this. And it's ultimately us being willing to pay for this as well. And so the faith in the plan really shows up in this, that it's gonna require personal financial sacrifice across the whole body for three years. That all of us, young, old, married, single, students, adults, that we would say we're in and we're gonna go after this. Now listen, hear me. If you're maybe newer here and you don't know what our heart is about all of this, I'm not talking about equal sums of money, but I am talking about equal sacrifice because there are single moms here and your budget is tight and you don't have a ton of money to give and above and beyond what you normally give, but I'm saying whatever, whatever that amount is, it's just gonna take everybody on board to do this. Because listen, if, if someone came to me tomorrow and said, I'm gonna cut you a check for a million dollars, like we would praise God and that would be amazing and it would meet so many needs. But I would also be really concerned that while that might be great for our finances, I would wonder how healthy that would be for our church. Because I think we all need to have skin in the game on this. We need to do this together. And listen, some people are thinking, this is the part where you start talking about money, and and if you don't know me, you don't know my heart, you don't know the heart of this church, I would just say this. If you're looking at that and you're like, you know, I don't think I ever want to give to something like this, I would say, listen, if you don't believe in this church, then give to something somewhere that's making a difference for eternity that you believe in and you give to it. But don't you dare hold back when God's calling you to step forward into investing in his kingdom. But if, if you call this home, if this is a place where your family's invested and for your, your fi- family and your kids, this is home, this is what God is calling us to do and this is what we have to step into. And yes, and yes, yes, we need, we need the financial backing to make this happen, but listen, this is a moment that I don't want anyone to miss out on because I think we're gonna look back and we're gonna see that these were the moments where we decided, God, we're gonna risk it and we watched you bless that and multiply and God, look at what you did because we were willing to step out. Our kids now have a place to go every Wednesday night when they, when they need to meet for Elevate. Look at what our students get to embrace. Look at what we get to celebrate. And I jokingly kind of say it this way, that the money's in the bank. It's just in my bank, (laughs) and it's in your bank, and it's in our bank. And it has to be something that we would be willing to say, we're gonna go after this. So there's three things that that we need to be connected to kind of as we think about this. The first that I wanna point you to is that you would be active in picking a number. You would be active in picking a number. What's the number that you and your family would give above and beyond what you normally give? And as you pick that number, I want you to think about saying, this is gonna be the largest gift we've ever given to a church before because that's what my wife and I are saying. Several months ago, my wife and I kind of knew this conversation was gonna happen and kind of the question that we wanna wrestle with is God, not just is it gonna be my number, but God, is this gonna be your number for us? And so we went on a walk together and, and we've known this is coming, so we've been processing it longer than anybody else has. And so we're on a walk and I said, what's your number? 
she told me her, and I told her the number I was thinking about. And so we kind of averaged them a little bit in the middle of all of that. And but what we said was that for the next few months that we would just be asking God, what, what does it look like to trust you? What does it look like to trust you? Because when I start thinking about that number that my wife and I landed at, it grips my heart. It does. It grips my heart because on the other side of that are plans for our future. And our family's pivoting at a time right now where it's like we had all the kids at home and now it's one driver and now two drivers and I have a son that's getting ready to go off to college and then a couple years later after that will be, his daughter will be going off to college. And so we know that the difference between our number and the number that God wants from us is gonna be sacrifice. And the question is this, God, do I really trust that you're gonna stand in the gap when that car is broken down? And that's what I was planning with that. Do I really trust you? And, and that's, that's what my heart has been wrestling with. God, can I really, not can, we, not can we reach and get this, but can I really trust that you're gonna do what you said you're gonna do? So that's, that's what I'm asking you to do is that you'd pick a number and seek God and ask him what he'd have you do. That's just where we wanna land. The second thing is this, that is that we're gonna have a commitment weekend in two weeks on October the 16th. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna give everyone one of these cards and there's an opportunity to respond with however God led you in the middle of that. And we're gonna all together just respond with gratitude. God, this is how you've provided for us and how you've blessed us. And we want you to be here on the 16th to join in that celebration. Now listen, on that day, we're gonna see how God's gonna move and it's gonna be awesome and we're gonna celebrate that, but I'm gonna tell you that I'm not, I'm not here to celebrate like a dollar number. I'm more interested in the amount of participation and the amount of families that engage in this more than I am a dollar number. Uh, so that's what we're aiming for. And even as the weeks pour out, and we're gonna come back and we're gonna give updates. This is where we're at with all of this and, and it's not gonna be this, just only this dollar number. For me, it's gonna be about hey, we saw another family hop on board with us, and that's just awesome that we're seeing these folks participate. And the third thing is your first gift. I don't know why it is, but statistically speaking, when people give the first weekend a campaign is open, the chances of them fulfilling their gift goes through the roof. And think about that. You know this is true in other areas of your life where you're like, I'm gonna do this thing. When you choose to step on the scale, when you choose to go out and run, when you choose to start eating those vegetables, the first meal, it just makes such a big impact. And so that very first week when we're out of Let's Go and we're in a different sermon series on October the 23rd, we're asking every family to not bring a large sum, not even a significant portion of it, but that you just bring something that gets that kick-started to participate with that on October the 23rd. No matter what you pledge, just bring something to, as a first fruit of that on the 23rd. Now, as I think about this for my family, and I think about these pivot points in our family's life, and I, and I think about, God, what does it mean for me to trust you? The other question that I've been wrapping my head around is, and, and just truthfully, I've never been through a capital campaign as a, like I've never been a part of a church that's done one. So this is a first time for, for me and my family. And as I think about that, the question I've been asking is this. Why would I give up that for this? Why would I give up that vehicle choice, that vacation, those dance lessons? Why would I do that? And this is, 
the only why that makes any sense that frames that entire conversation for me. It would be that we believe that the number of people who are entering into a saving relationship with Jesus and a growing relationship with Jesus must be consistently increasing. That the number of people who should be entering into a growing and saving relationship with Christ must be increasing. And that's, guys, that's the whole reason that we're here. That's the whole reason this church was planted. That's the whole reason I took my family in a whole different direction was to do that kind of work. That's the work of the gospel and that's what we believe God called us to do. And listen, Jesus responded to this plan that God had that he would come in obedience and he would respond in faith so that more people would know God and be in relationship with him. That more and more people would meet and follow and share Jesus and more and more people would live Jesus-centered lives and more and more people would make a difference, and that's what we feel like God's called us to do as well. And listen, lots of other churches have things that they're going to do. They're responsible for those things, but Grace Fellowship is responsible for what Grace Fellowship is responsible for. And if you're wondering, like, who's responsible for this? Maybe it's someone out there that's, no. Guys, God's gonna work through us. Like, we're responsible, and I'm responsible, and you're responsible which means we get to decide. We get to decide what this church is gonna look like three or five years from now. We get to decide what's gonna look like for our children. We get to decide if this church is gonna leave a legacy for generations and generations and generations because we were willing to sacrifice. We get to decide that. And we know that as we step into this, it's gonna take some things, the same things that it's gonna take for my household. And that is faith, to know that, God, you're gonna do what you're gonna do and you're trustworthy. And God, that, that this is not our home. <laughs> and so shifting our priorities to something that makes an eternal impact, that actually makes a ton of sense. And no one else is gonna do it if we don't do it. And so we're gonna do it because to whom much is given, much is expected. And, and God has given us corporately a lot. And listen, God has given us individually a lot as well. And I don't think, I just don't think that I'm gonna get to the end of my life and wish, you know, I wish I was a better golfer. I wish I'd get to the end of my life and you know, I just wish that I had bought more cars. I just wish I had finished that addition on the house. I, I just don't think that's the, the conversation I'm gonna be having when my kids are holding my hand. I'm gonna be thinking, I wish I would have told more people about the Jesus I'm getting ready to meet because all of those things don't matter one bit. And listen, this, this let's go and these strategic initiatives and these buckets, they're not the only tool that we use to tell people about God's kingdom, but we do think it's a critical one. And when we think about our corporate footprint and our missional objectives as a church, we think that this is the most effective way and we're standing in this place and God's saying, hey, there's somewhere I'm gonna take you and it's gonna cause you to trust at a deeper level. It's gonna take courage. It's gonna take confidence. It's gonna take character, but it's also gonna take action. It just has to. To, to trust in him and to believe that God is who he says he is. So with every eye closed and every head bowed here, I'm gonna ask you to think about something, and I don't, I don't want you to be manipulative about this at all. I just want us to be reminded that the God that we serve didn't spare his own son. 
that in Jesus, man, he's the name above every other name. And it's that same name that we get to be called sons and daughters of the high king. And so may we be moved not out of not out of obligation, not out of manipulation, but out of an opportunity to simply give that which we've first been given. And as we've been richly blessed, would we just respond in faith by richly blessing our community and richly blessing what God wants to do here? Let me just pray with us. God, may you move in our hearts God, to trust you in deeper levels and just experience the joy that comes with that. God, and even as we sing right now, God, will we be reminded of your incredible love to us. God, that you go before us. God, that our, our, our faith is in your name. God, our security, our stability is in who you are. And so when we partner with you, God, we never have to be afraid. We never have to be afraid. We don't have to fill that gap of, my goodness, this has a grip on my heart, and think, if I don't control that, I will never make it. God, when you're involved, God, nothing can stop you, and we are firmly in your grip, and you're just calling us out to trust you in deeper and deeper ways. God, may that be true for each of us here in this space. I pray that in Christ's name.